Hi, it's Martin Kessler, and you're listening to 20 Minute Fitness, the podcast that's all about fitness and health technology and science. If you have been a long time listener of this show, then you're probably fully aware of the benefits of a low carb diet. Your blood sugar tends to stabilize, and the levels of the fat storing hormone insulin starts dropping, which in turn really helps boosting your fat burning metabolism and may make you feel really satiated. But if you don't like bacon, avocado and scrambled eggs for breakfast every day, then you'd be left with surprisingly few options for your morning meals. Magic Spoon is one company trying to change exactly that. And on today's 20 minute fitness, I'm joined by co-founder Gabby Lewis to hear what the magic is all about. As always, 20 minute fitness is powered by ShapeScale, the 3D body scanner that captures your body composition and photorealistic 3D. Onto the show. Hi, Gabby. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, can you describe to our listeners what Magic Spoon really is? Of course. Magic Spoon is a breakfast cereal company that I launched in mm -hmm. April of 2019, so just over a year ago. And we are recreating all of your favorite childhood sugary cereals, but without the sugar, essentially. So imagine whatever your favorite junk cereal was, and now imagine it with more protein, less carbs, zero sugar, actually legitimately healthy for you, but with the taste and texture of all those sugary cereals we, we all loved growing up. Right. Yeah. I had a look actually at the nutritional labels of both Magic Spoon and then Fruit Loops, which is definitely <laughs> a popular childhood choice of, of many. And I can see both have a serving of, you know, about 110 to 118 calories, but Magic Spoon's macro makeup is completely different. I'm seeing that whereas Fruit Loops gets like 85% of their calories from carbs, out of which about half come from pure sugar, Magic Spoon gets nearly 80% of its calories from fat and protein. How do you achieve that? Correct. So we've basically got a similar calorie count, but we've swapped the protein and carbs around. And we did right. that by basing our cereal on a blend of protein isolates. So we primarily use a milk protein isolate as well as a whey protein concentrate. And we use that instead of the wheat flour or corn flour or rice flour that most classic cereals use. And then rather than sweetening with either high fructose corn syrup or perhaps a cane sugar, we use a blend of natural sweeteners that are essentially zero calorie. So specifically, we use allulose, stevia, and monk fruit. And the three of those in a specific company allows us to get as close as possible to that sweet taste of sugary cereals without actually putting sugar into the product. Uh -huh, yeah, because I was curious because I'm certainly not a food scientist. And then I saw, you know, like you have a, a blend out of monk fruit, stevia and allulose. And, and, and that's the reason to really achieve that, that flavor. Or is it something else as well? So that's the sweetness. The flavor itself comes okay. from comes from natural flavors, basically. Right. And so depending on the right. flavor, we have a, a blueberry flavor, for example. So we'll use a real blueberry powder in that flavor. And then we'll actually get the colors from fruit and vegetable juices used in very small quantities. So they're not really adding any sugar, but are, um, you know, some of our flavors, for example, use beet juice and beet extracts to get a red flavor on our fruity cereal. Uh, we use spirulina to get a blue color on our blueberry cereal, for example. So di different ingredients for different purposes. But in general, everything's entirely natural, even though, of course, that doesn't mean very much nowadays. But premium, high quality <laughs> ingredients and high in protein, low in sugar. Yeah, you would not expect that, actually, when you look at, you know, like a package of Fruit Loops, that there can be actually natural flavors in it. So it's, it's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. And you also have an oil blend with, within Magic Spoon, right? Can you talk more about that? Correct. So we use a blend of oleic sunflower oil and then avocado oil. So basically you need an oil to bind the, the colors and the flavorings to the base of the cereal. And we wanted to, of course, use high quality fatty acids, 
um, rather than just like pure low quality seed oils. And so high oleic sunflower oil, um, pretty different from regular sunflower oil in that the, the fatty acids in those are the same sort of monosaturated fats that you find in extra virgin olive oil. And of course, avocado oil, very healthy as well. Got it. And just going back to the sweeteners, and now I know that in recent years, there have been quite a few studies on a variety of different sweeteners, and some of them have a good impact and some have a negative impact on one's microbiome. Where does monk fruit, stevia, and allulose stand on that? Do you know that? Yeah, they're, they tend to have a good impact, which is why we chose them. So sugar alcohols are generally not very good. So a bunch of brands are using things like erythritol, maltitol which can have a negative impact on the microbiome, but also cause just bloating and general sort of stomach aches in a pretty large portion of the population. So we wanted to avoid sugar alcohols for that reason, which right. me means our ingredients are more expensive. So allulose, stevia, monk fruit are, are more expensive than a lot of the other sweeteners that might still be natural, but they come with other sort of issues. And so we, we wanted to avoid those issues, which is why we chose these three. Got it. So who, who is actually Magic Spoon really for then? Is it for kids? Is it for adults? Or who is it really for? So one of the taglines we use is childlike cereal for grown-ups. And so the idea is we want to bring the sort of joy and fun and whimsy from classic childhood cereals to adults and to people who care about their health. So most of our consumers right now are, are adults. Um, a lot of them give it to their kids as well. And kids, in many cases, don't actually know that Magic Spoon is healthy and they're very happy to eat it because they, <laughs> they, they think it's the same as Fruit Loops, even though it's not. But most of our customers are not currently eating cereal or rather before they discovered Magic Spoon, they were not eating cereal. Most of our customers were eating protein bars or shakes or smoothies or Greek yogurt or oatmeal or some other somewhat healthy breakfast option. But all of those products I just listed are are pretty boring, right? Like scrambled eggs every day or, or right. egg whites or, uh, you know, green juice, depending on your preferences. Those things get pretty boring after a while. And, you know, I, I don't believe anybody really enjoys drinking a green juice every morning. Whereas right. cereal that, that looks and tastes like all the sugary ones is fun and enjoyable. So we want to give people an option that is just as healthy, if not healthier than some of those products like smoothies and shakes, but is a lot more enjoyable to consume. So it's really used by, by people that already are properly on a low carb diet like keto or paleo and they're looking to well spice up their routine a little because like you said you know like drinking green juice or anything like that every day gets quite boring right yeah but i wouldn't even restrict it to as narrow as people who are doing paleo or keto right it's anybody who just wants to eat less sugar and maybe eat more mm -hmm. protein, which nowadays is, is most people, right? You know, everybody is aware that dumping tablespoons and tablespoons of sugar down your body, whether it's in the form of a Coca-Cola or a bowl of Fruit Loops, like that's pretty bad for you. And most people are also aware that getting a little more protein into your diet is pretty good for you. And so these, these niche trends of paleo or keto or before they were named that, they were named Atkins or the ancestral diet. Like those ideas are becoming more mainstream. And so a lot of our customers might not subscribe to one of those quote unquote diets, but they are trying to limit their sugar and carb intakes to some degree and just eat healthier in general. Right. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, how did you actually arrive at the idea of creating this type of cereal? Yeah, it, it was mostly because I saw this huge gap in the market, really. So it was a combination of, I observed that most categories in the, in the grocery store basically had undergone this transformation where previously uh, it, everything was full of sugar and carbs and crap. And then a bunch of companies came along and tried to upgrade the ingredients and upgrade the nutritionals. And we've seen that in everything from ice cream, where you've now got the halo tops of the world creating higher protein, lower sugar ice cream, to the soda aisle, where you've got a bunch of low sugar sodas now and kombuchas and other products. But if you look at the cereal aisle, 
nobody had really done that. And the cereal aisle looked the same today as it did 20 years ago. And so I didn't think there was a good reason for that. And so I went on a journey to see if it was possible to, to recreate the taste and texture of all those sugary cereals but without using the junk ingredients. And then from a personal perspective, I grew up having a bowl of cereal every day, loved it. When I sort of turned maybe 18, 19, started paying attention to what I was putting into my body, I stopped eating cereal and, and I've missed it since then. And so selfishly, I right. wanted to see if I could figure out a way to, to bring it back into my diet. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I just recently, actually, just a few weeks ago when I was shopping at Costco, I was going through the cereal aisle and I was looking at the different labels and I literally couldn't find a single cereal besides steel cut oats that didn't have any added sugar whatsoever. Every cereal has some sort of sugar added and it's 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 crazy. Like why? Why does every cereal have to have sugar? It, it's, I, I still can't fathom it. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know, as much as people want to avoid sugar, people still love sweet things, right? So cereal is delicious. Yeah. We are wired like that. Yeah, after yeah all. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and I think it's also... Unlike some other categories in the grocery store, cereal historically has been so cheap. And if you want to make a healthier cereal, it's going to cost more because better ingredients cost more. And I think a lot of companies weren't sure whether people would pay more than $3 a box for cereal, seeing as that's what it's always cost. And you know, our cereal, of course, is not $3 a box. Uh, we believe that people would be more than happy to pay more than that for a high quality product, just as people are happy to pay, you know, more for a grass-fed steak than a corn or grain-fed steak. And, you know, you can apply the same logic to, to most categories. Right. You get what you pay for. So, so how much is actually a box of Magic Spoon? Our boxes are nine seventy-five per box, which works out at $1.39 per serving. So definitely expensive when compared to other boxes of cereal. But if you compare a serving of Magic Spoon to a protein shake or a protein bar or something with a comparable macronutrient profile, it's actually pretty reasonable. Got it. And in the end, it's kind of like an investment in your own health, right? I mean, what you may save now by buying some junk food, you will pay later in healthcare bills. Totally. And um, where, where can, it, can you actually buy Magic Spoon? Can you get it already in stores or where do you get it? No, we're actually sold exclusively online at magicspoon.com. Nice. And um, before Magic Spoon, you were a founder of another company called Exo right? Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yes. So EXO was a company I started in my senior year of college. And the idea there was to introduce insect protein as a sustainable food source to the US. More like crickets? Crickets, exactly. So crickets, whilst not commonly consumed in this country, are a dietary staple in many countries, and they are extremely efficient to raise as a protein source. So pound for pound or gram of protein per gram of protein, crickets require less water, less feed, less space, produce less methane, you know, the list goes on as to how much more sustainable they are. And that also translates into lower costs as well. So it's, it's a cheaper source of protein, more sustainable source of protein, and also pretty healthy as well. So it's all complete protein, very high in omega-3 fatty acids, um, really good nutritional overall profile. And so we actually partnered with a three Michelin starred chef to firstly create a protein powder made out of crickets and then a line of protein bars that used that cricket protein powder as the hero ingredient. And that business was called ExoProtein. Like I said, we launched it about 10 years ago now. And I ran that for, for five years and then moved on to cereal. And then how did you arrive at Magic Spoon from there? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it, there was a lot of learnings there. And um, you know, one of the learnings is sell something that people really, really want and don't try and work against the current. So no, I, I think that... <laughs> so was it really difficult to, to sell insect protein? It, 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 was, it was difficult in certain ways. I mean, it was 
it was actually pretty easy to convince early adopters to get on board. So when we launched, it was in the peak of CrossFit and paleo and a lot of these trends that are, you know, are all around in some ways doing things that are countercultural for the sake of your nutrition. And what could be more paleo than eating crickets, right? If you want to talk about the real paleolithic right. or ancestral diet, people, you know, cavemen were not frying bacon three times a day. They were foraging for berries and crickets and other bugs. And so we, we got amazing adoption in those sort of early adopter communities of paleo and, and keto and CrossFit. But to get the, the mainstream American audience to eat crickets turned out to be really difficult, uh, especially for a small startup. And so after we sold that business and we were thinking about what, what we wanted to do next, one of the big things was let's find a really big market where there's a product people love but there's something wrong with that product. And I'm not sure there's a food product that people love in theory more than cereal. You talk to anybody on the street and they love cereal and they have memories of eating sugary cereal, watching cartoons as a kid. And they've, <laughs> they've probably got a bunch of cereal in their cabinet and maybe they don't eat it as often as they would like because it's full of crap, but they like the idea of eating cereal. And so we knew if we could figure out a way to reinvent cereal for a sort of modern consumer who cares about what they put into their bodies, that could be a really, really compelling idea, a compelling business and something that was just personally exciting to us as well as consumers. Got it. So where do you see the bigger vision, the future of Magic Spoon? You know, I, people ask us that a lot. And I actually don't think we need a bigger vision than cereal. Cereal is an enormous category that touches, per, I mean, almost everyone in this country, but most people in the world. And so we're not like some other companies that have a vision of creating a platform and dozens of products and moving into other categories. No, we want to stay very focused on creating the best possible healthy cereal that tastes like it's not healthy. And we want to then get that into as many households as possible. Eventually, that's going to mean going beyond direct to consumer and having a retail presence. But we're, we're maniacally focused on making sure that we have a product that tastes as close as possible to junk cereal and releasing better and better versions of it and new flavors and getting it into as many hands as possible. Yeah, I mean, like when I just look like, you know, at the supermarket aisle of cereals, it's full of it, right? There's like dozens of different brands. Like I'm sure it's a, it's a huge market on its own, right? It's a whole aisle, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's not a lot of other aisles in the grocery store that just have one product in them. Yeah. And uh, like, what kind of direction can you imagine still going like when it comes to cereal? Like, I mean, you have already a, a couple of different flavors, right? What do you see next? Right now we have four core flavors and then we've released a bunch of limited edition flavors. We have endless new flavors already developed. So new flavors are an enormous part of our strategy. And that's what gets people excited to keep coming back and back. So most people will come to our website, they'll buy our variety pack, they'll try our four best-selling flavors, but then they keep coming back to, to try new stuff. And that, that's really exciting. And when it comes to, like, to cereals and like when somebody goes shopping out for cereals, like what do you think they should really pay attention to when you know, choosing that, that right kind of cereal for them? Besides flavor, of course. Yeah, well, honestly, I would just say that, so if you go to the grocery store, you will notice on one side, you have all the obviously unhealthy cereals. So they're all brightly colored. They all use cartoon characters. You look at those boxes and before you even pick it up and look at the label, you know it's going to be full of sugar and terrible for you. But then you have these other cereals that have less color on them. Maybe the box is white. Maybe there's like the picture of an idyllic farmer on the back and it talks about whole grains. Uh, and these other cereals, they project the facade of being healthy. But if you look at the ingredient list and you look at the grams of sugar, generally they're actually not much healthier than the bright, colorful ones that are obviously unhealthy. And so I just say, 
if you think you're buying healthy cereal in the grocery store because you see the words whole grain, or even if you see the words reduced sugar, for example, all reduced sugar probably means is that rather than 15 grams of sugar, there's 13 grams or something like that. So most of the quote unquote healthy cereals in the store are very slightly healthier than the junk cereals, but they're still all carbs. They're still high in sugar. And so what we wanted to do is create a cereal that's actually legitimately healthy, which, which I don't really think exists in the, in the aisles today. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I can't wait really for the day, you know, like where the cereal industry becomes really transformed where, you know, like you don't have to actually worry about, you know, picking something in the aisle and, and thinking it could be bad for me. I mean, that's always like the feeling that I always have, you know, like something looks colorful, nice branding, or, you know, even when it's like supposedly healthy, you know, I mean, they're always like those claims, right? Like mm-hmm. low sugar or low fat. Yeah. Another, there's always like some junk still in there. Yeah. Another funny thing to look out for is most cereal brands make their nutritional claims, including milk. So if you if you look sometimes at like a box of, I think it was like a high protein Cheerios was doing this, they, they might have stopped doing it for legal reasons. But at least initially, some cereals, at least on the front of the box, they might say eight grams of protein. But when you look at it closely, five grams, for example, of that eight or some high proportion of it actually comes from milk. And so sometimes nutritional claims aren't for the product itself. It's for the product with added milk, which is pretty misleading. Oh, gee. Yeah. I mean, that's also like confusing for me. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm originally from Europe and, you know, here you also have like the serving size and I, I think like really varies by product, right? Like yeah. said, sometimes it's a serving size that includes milk, sometimes not. And sometimes, sometimes you it's have, like skim milk yeah, or whole milk. You have other products. I mean, protein cookies do this all the time where some brands of protein cookies will give the, the carb count per half cookie as if somebody is like eating half a cookie, which is ridiculous. And there's even one brand that I, will, I, I, I won't <laughs> name this brand, but there's a brand that they at least used to, on the front of the label, they would have a protein number that was the whole protein cookie, but a sugar number that was only half the protein cookie, which is just totally misleading and confusing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a crazy world out of there. Yeah. So in, in, in terms of like the ingredients, just to go a little bit back to that, uh, how do you source your ingredients? Where, where do they come from? Yeah, it's, it's very dependent on, on the specific ingredient. All of our ingredients, I'd say, um, except perhaps some, some cocoa or cacao powder, and I think about it, and maybe one or two other exceptions, but the vast majority are sourced here in the US. And we work very close with the suppliers, and many of our ingredients come in so many different forms. It took many weeks and lots of different versions of them to figure out both which is the highest quality, but also which has the best taste. So if you look at, for example, monk fruit or stevia, two of the sweeteners we use, you can have hundreds of different strains of stevia that all taste slightly different. Um, and maybe they're being sourced mm. from different parts of Southern and Central America or different parts of the world. Likewise, from monk fruit uh, coming from Southeast Asia or different other parts, there's different strains of these of these sweeteners that have different amounts of, of aftertaste. And you know, some of them are some of these strains of stevia, for example, might be 200 times sweeter than table sugar. Some are 300 times sweeter than table sugar. And so lots of trial and error and experimentation and chefs and food scientists involved to sort of figure out the exact specific versions of all these ingredients we want to use both from a quality and sourcing perspective, but also just taste as well. Wow. Yeah. How many iterations do you guys even have to go through to arrive <laughs> at the current formula? That you more, use? more than I can count. And we're still, we're, <laughs> we're still improving all the time. So it's, it's a constant process. Nice. Okay. And um, so if our listeners want to buy them, they can find it on magicspoon.com. Correct. Right? Yes. Anything else that you would like to share with our audience? No, I think we've covered everything. This has been really interesting. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Gabby Lewis. Thanks for having me. 
there you have it, magic spoon, making something old and familiar surprisingly healthy. And yes, I think Gabby has a point that it is hard to change human nature, and our old habits die hard. So if you have been looking to keep your carbohydrates low and still want that cereal in the morning, Magic Spoon is a pretty decent choice, I think. Anyways, what is your breakfast of choice? Let us know on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Shape20Fit. I'm Martin Kessler from San Francisco. Our producer is Lila Lasso. See you next Thursday for another show of 20 Minute Fitness.